0: some Macklemore. Macklemore? You think that Macklemore really? I think that's what people well oh. they're muted right so they can hear us but they can't. They can't say no. They can't say no. <laughs> I guess they could chat with you right they could they could type in the chat window.
1: Yeah I'll start streaming
0: in all the people screaming no please no. don't
1: anything but Macklemore. Let's go. for a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking a new hit me get up fresh shop come strut walking a
2: little bit of humble a little bit of cautious somewhere between like rocky and gosby sweater game nope nope y'all can't copy yeah glad
0: moon walking in this here are we about ready to get started uh yeah
1: yeah we can start talking through some stuff uh our guest speaker is just about a few minutes away and he'll be
0: joining us how can he be a few minutes away he lives here in pleasanton uh, hey you know <laughs> <laughs> oh boy Let's give one more minute. It's like eleven o'clock, 11 one. So people still logging in. We this is the
2: it's
0: like I see Lydia back. is on. Is hey Lydia.
1: The we'll Ivan. <laughs> We got a message in the chat that they've heard worse. They've heard worse? There's worse than Macklemore. There's worse than Macklemore. Okay.
0: (laughs) We should take requests. Like (laughs) Somebody wants something. We should tell you. All right. Well, let's get started. Let me turn this down. Oh, boy. All right. Well, welcome. I guess I should turn Macklemore completely off. There we go. Well, thank you guys for joining. I'm Dave Wright. I'm Kevin Ferris. Hey, Kevin, and you are you, and this is the IoT Mosh Pit. If this is your first time joining, the IoT Mosh Pit is a venue of collaboration amongst us here at Kaiser and practitioners of IoT, so everybody's welcome. Each month, we try to have an update on IoT activities across Kaiser, and uh, an industry expert and guest will join us here in the Mosh Pit. But we got some new stuff. There's actually some stuff going on this month. We should probably talk about that. You want to, what's coming up with the leadership forum, Kevin?
1: Yeah, sure. So just this week, uh, actually starting tomorrow and going into Wednesday, there's going to be the IT Leadership Forum. So this is a biannual event that Dick Daniels puts on for uh, IT leadership, executive director and above. And they come together all day for this, you know, this two-day workshop to go through you know, some of the most pressing concerns and, and themes that they want to cover for IT in that year. And so just recently, they, they decided to start including kind of a showcase of the different innovation projects that are going on internally. And so we were invited to come as a part of that. Oh, actually. to the Ritz? Yeah, to the Ritz. So we're getting to San go to Francisco. the Ritz? Oh yep. boy, all right. Big step up from this office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I like my office. Yeah, so we'll be showcasing five or six demos there uh, of what we got going on in the IoT Things Lab and hopefully
0: get a lot of feedback on those and, and get some more exposure. Cool, I, um, I saw you guys were working on uh, an RFID, like a, a, but it was like a location thing, where it wasn't just like RFID is there or not, it was actually showing like actual location of, of, of the tags. And then these are battery batteryless tags, like They're passive. There's no battery, right?
1: Yeah. So this is the same, you know, passive RFID tags we've had forever in retail. They're, they're basically those things that they hide in the books that set off the shopping alarms if they right, take right. out the register. Um, but they've come a long way since then. Um, now they can actually pinpoint very accurate location with some uh, fairly large, expensive antennas. Uh, but they can do location down to a couple centimeters and on the actual device you're tracking it's just like putting a sticker on just like you know how you put a sticker and hide it in a book for uh, anti-theft. Right. So right. we put a couple of those tags on some wooden blocks and we're gonna have them out at ITLF and people can literally just throw them across the room and see it bounce across on a, on a dashboard. Wow. It's exact location. Wow,
0: you know, I, this, are these the same ones? I know you're working with end user services. They're looking at, at putting these tags on, on laptops. Are these the same kind of tags?
1: Yeah, so basically it's it's very similar to the tags we already have on our laptops that have our AM number. That's a barcode, right? Yeah, it's basically a barcode sticker. Well, these, you know, you could print a barcode right on top of them, but they just sit a little bit higher with a little bit of an air gap, so that way metal doesn't interfere with the, oh, the right. radio frequency. Right. But that lets you pick up the the information on the tag more ambiently. You don't have to have a barcode scanner with... with uh, with line
0: of sight. Well, I guess that means you wouldn't have to do inventory anymore. Would just, you would just get them as they came in the room, right? Like, yeah, like
1: right as we when you carted them in through the door, you'd pick them all up with a large antenna or the, yeah. the entrance. I
0: wonder if they'd be able to find like lost ones or like, you know, sometimes you get these laptops and you don't turn them in, you get refreshed or whatever, you don't turn them in, they wind up in a in an in a admin's drawer somewhere, and there might be four or five, but I guess we'd be able to find them then, right? Be able to recover some of those. Yeah, because then you'd be able to
1: look at, you know, what was the last antenna to have seen this, this laptop? And then from there, you know, if you can't find it right away, you can pull out these handheld scanners and start waving them around on, on a, a witch hunt for that particular uh, find, find the laptop? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, what are some of the other demos? I, I heard there was, um, what was that one with the, uh, the, um, the camera that was uh, from a urologist? Yeah, so
1: we had a doctor from Southern California, uh, PMG, and they wanted to look at how can we use a camera to stream video, a point of view from surgeries. So that way you can kind of collect this content and almost form a little bit of a, a medical, you know, an internal Netflix per right. se and be able to use that on for like the KP School of Medicine.
0: Cool. All right. And then that's going on. That's in Ritz-Carlton, San Francisco on the twenty on the 29th, right? 29th and 30th? Yep, correct. And that is, I believe that's 150 people, I think? Just about, about 150 people. About 150 people. Oh, that's exciting. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I saw the name badges. Those are neat. Those are really cool. But we should tell yeah. people about those, right? Those are a surprise. Those are a surprise, the name <laughs> badges. <laughs> uh, what else has been going on that we got going on with uh, IoT across Kaiser?
1: Uh, let's see. So we have uh, another project that we're working on for tracking vaccines, which is really interesting because the... Uh, now, this, the, vaccines are specimens. Both actually. Both. Okay. We, we have an effort going for both of those. Oh, hold on, I'm I'm actually getting a call. It looks like that's probably Bruce, so I'll talk right. out for just a couple minutes.
0: Alright, well we're gonna try to get Bruce in here. He'll be get him into the building. Um, he's down in the <laughs> trying to get in. I can see him from here. So I'm gonna leave you guys a little music until he comes back. That's uh, what we gotta do sometimes when we're doing live live recordings of podcast. Other things we're doing in this space, if you're interested. Uh, is track and trace. So, an asset tag that goes on these uh, devices that move around, medical devices move around Southern California, they're about five hundred thousand dollars each, these assets, and they move between sixty five hundred and seven thousand transactions a month. That's moving between medical office buildings. So, what they asked us to do is, you know, is there a way that we could track not only when they're in the building, where they're at, but how, you know, in movement. Are they, where, where are they at? How long is it going to take to get there? So, we have these devices that have Cat M1 radios. If you guys don't know about that, that's uh, that's pretty neat. That's a unused. That's a licensed unused LTE space that Verizon uh, is offering, and so it's for burst rate data for IoT data. It's, uh, the plans are like one or two dollars a month as opposed to fifty or sixty dollars a month. So it's really attractive for IoT devices. Uh, we're using a Particle Photon microcontroller. Uh, it does has a Wi-Fi accelerometer on it, and it loads this uh, and a GPS, of course, and it loads up to a Google Maps API, so you can see it. And of course, it's battery operated. And this is a little box with the size of a deck of cards, and that would go on these devices and be able to give real-time location of wh- uh, where that where that asset is in a given time. Furthermore, we're taking the data from them. We have about a, a year's worth of data already, the transaction data, and we're going to feed that into some machine learning, uh, some very early development work we're doing machine learning to be able to uh, do predictive analytics on where's the best place to have these devices for the anticipate where the next move is going to be or which uh, medical office building is most likely going to need a particular specialized device at any given time so we'll have somebody come in and talk about that in one of our next episode coming up episodes that's pretty fascinating I think you know we throw around those words like artificial intelligence machine learning this is a the first one for us to really take real data and and do predictive analytics on it and some machine learning, so pretty excited about that one. The specimen tracking one uh, is came out of uh, labs in Chino Hills and in Southern California, and that if you've seen these specimen totes, they're pretty interesting. They're they're like really large igloo coolers, and inside there's these test tubes, and they're things like lung biopsies and, and they actually sent us some to sample ones and it was I, I, you know I'm not a doctor right or but we got these things and they're kind of gross right because you open them up and they have each of the uh, the vials test tubes have stuff in them and I'm guessing that stuff is something inert that is put in them to receive whatever thing they're going to put into it but it really, shouldn't they have been clean? Like, shouldn't they have been empty? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it was kind of gross. We use a lot of uh, hand sanitizer when we're messing with those things. But the idea there is that we have a very small RFID antenna. We have a very specialized one that we had built that would mount inside. We're spray painting the inside of the the, um, the tote with a metallic spray paint to keep the RFID signal from bleeding out. And then each of the... Uh, specimens would have a very, very tiny RFID tag, not like the ones we were talking about earlier on the laptops, but a really tiny one. And it would pick up inside that, uh, inside the, the box, pick up any of the specimens in there. Now what's neat about that is that there will also be sensors in the lid to determine whether it's open or closed, an accelerometer if it's moving, uh, Wi-Fi, GPS, and also one of these CAT M1 radios to be able to call home and, and give information. The neat thing there is that we'd be sending it, for all the techies in, in, on the call, we'd be sending it a JSON block of the manifest. So imagine Cerner or something be able to produce uh, a JSON block of, uh, of the manifest of what are those specimens that are supposed to be in the tote. Uh, it gets loaded over the Wi-Fi into this microcontroller, and now at any given time we can tell when, if, if they're all the specimens that are supposed to be in there are in there when one left, when one was maybe added, and if the lid was ever opened in transit, and if so, when and where and for how long. And of course, there'll be a temperature um, range in there as well that comes over the manifest, because a lot of these things are subject to temperature between and uh, in, in across delivery. So we're have got we early stages of testing with that one. Uh, there's a lot of different scenarios with packing ice in there or odd-shaped specimen to- or specimen bags. So right now we're just working with the test tubes, but as we get better with it, we'll expand expand that out uh, to include all of those other test scenarios for the specimen toad. So those are the two big ones that we're working on right now. I I know these guys, we've got some drones things we're working on. That's pretty fun. Uh, We'll have more on that. In fact, uh, I think in a couple couple episodes, we have a guest speaker's gonna talk about drones from Google, so that should be kind of fun. All right, guys. So our guest speaker is here. He can't, he got it. He made it. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Somehow I found my way through the parking structures, and I'm here. You're here. Okay, so we're live right now. We've got quite a few people on. Um, Michael, Michael, You got missed the introduction, so I'll let everybody know if you want to introduce that you're you're on here too. Hi,
1: everybody. It's good to be here as always. One of my favorite
0: people. he's got a new haircut you don't yeah, you can't yeah. see it it's a good thing about podcasts you it's can't see the haircuts short. so <laughs> it's a little short it gets shorter and shorter every year yeah. yeah I appreciate it thanks. no I'm saying I'm trying to grow mine out right now because yeah, I, I can figure see that. yeah got the wavy look going I, know, there, that so I a, know that takes that takes effort <laughs> to do that and I got one
1: that no one
0: really noticed because it's still long <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we finally got Bruce here so so Kevin you want to introduce uh introduce Bruce for us? Sure. So, Bruce here,
1: I met him at I- IoT World in Santa Clara, and he was one of the keynote speakers that really kicked off the event, and also did the kind of pre-session for folks who are really just trying to you know, get that initial dive into IoT. And so he had this IoT fundamentals uh, workshop that he held right. that was really great. And overall, he's an experienced CEO who now consults with enterprises and IoT vendors, uh, conducts IoT training workshops such as one at IoT World, and also speaks publicly at you know a variety of events around the world. He's also a featured uh, author for Computer World, Forbes, Network World, and ZDNet, and uh, just published his uh, IoT business book. That we have sitting on our desk I right see.
2: here. Even opened up into a couple places. Well,
0: wait, you missed one of my... Okay, so he's one of my favorite podcasts. So he's the, he's the one that wants to on that. You forgot the podcast. That's, like, that's, so, how got,
2: <laughs> that's how we got to know each other. Yeah, we? <laughs> so
0: we forget that. We'll talk about that later. But, um, I mean, you missed that one out of... That's a big one, right? I mean... oh Well, okay. So when we see you at conferences, you're wearing a suit. So I'm, when you do your podcast, what are you wearing?
2: I am wearing usually a t-shirt and my comfy shorts. You're coming out of my home office. <laughs> board so I got shorts? these shorts that are that are made of like a not a flannel, but like I don't know something like a flannel. So they're both they're not only stretchy because I need I need shorts oh, that are stretchy. Oh, you're totally relaxed. They are then. like super soft too. So i generally that's what I'm so, generally wearing when I'm doing my
0: podcast. Okay, so we, we now we have this on record, right? Because we're we're it, but people, we're supposed to know that. Well, I'm we, we, we that. do we do. So because here's the thing, we're, <laughs> we're doing this podcast from our Pleasanton office right. here at Kaiser. And I've been advocating that we should wear board shorts and flip flops in, but it's it's just so we could do the podcast and have it more legit. Relaxed. exactly. Relax. But it's not; it's fallen on deaf ears. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Kevin, uh, you ran into him at Io2 World. Told me all about. I think you went to one of his workshops,
1: right? Yep, yep. And that was when I was really first joining the team, and myself was just trying to understand what is this Internet of Things and all these you know bits and pieces that are involved and. You know, coming to your workshop was really great for me to get up to speed, but then it also, you know, opened up a whole new box of questions, because now, you know, there's all these new terms, you know, there's, you know, software-defined product, hardware-defined product, you know, we have this digital twin, and we have all these different layers of other terminologies, and so it really kind of blew my mind. I realized, wow, this (laughs) IoT thing is really huge. And so I think a really good place to start for for folks on the call who are also just trying to, to get up to speed is... You know, what really is the difference between this hardware-defined product and this software-defined product for IoT?
2: Well, I mean, I think you you know you bring up the most important I think part of the Internet of Things, and so I you know initially I was kind of steering away from the term digital twin, mm-hmm. but if you guys have been up to date on my podcast, you know that I've been I've been flogging this thing today. Oh death. yeah, it, we had a whole series going. I got a mini had, series of six yeah. or five. I can't remember which one. Yeah, yeah all guys different from flavors. Centers, the guy from. You know, the guys from PTC, from GE, uh, you know, from from everywhere. And I've been, because really, I think you guys know the secret here is often when I want to learn something, what do I do? I interview the experts about what I want to learn. And so the digital twin is I was um, putting together my um, buyer's guide. So I'm in the process, process of putting in a buyer's guide to help people go from the next step. Because when they're reading the book... Obviously, McGraw-Hill doesn't want you to put any particular company names in there. Oh, really? Or they don't want you to put any product names, which I understand. And also, it dates it a bit. You don't know if the company goes out of business, something like that. So I'm putting well, that, together... That, that be, happens in IoT. It happens a <laughs> lot in IoT. And so at the, at the very end of the book, I have this thing called, Hey, if you want <clears throat> if you want to find out what the products are for these concepts, then go to the buyer's guide. So then I'm went the, so then i putting together my, my buyer's guide. And I'm going through all the different parts. So you know we've got the hardware. So the difference, so t- I can I can say the hardware-defined product real easily. This is the hardware on the end node. So this is going to be your embedded system. If there's going to be some local intelligence, what they call edge computing, and or miscomputing, and then it's going to be the sensors or the actuators. So that's the hardware side. But then when I started looking at the software side, then I didn't see too I didn't see too much out there, including on my site. So I go, okay, well I got to fill it up. And also, this is something I want to drill into because, as you guys know, my, you know, this is what I consider the software defined product is the heart and soul of an IoT product. It is where the value is created, It is where everything is defined. And so I thought, okay, well, I better, I better get some more, you know, some more data points and and talk to some companies. So in doing that, I started falling onto this digital twin. So the software defined product is the application. So this is the code that you're writing. Plus, it's the, it's the models. Mm-hmm. Now, in talking to people a little bit further, and this is how you sort of get to a standard, you know, standardization, is you have to first agree to what the terms mean. So then digital twin is, people don't use software-defined product. I use it because I like this, the concept that's being used in software-defined networks. Where you abstract everything. Right? Uh, well, First I should away? just say, like, so we're in.
0: The, I, I, you, I don't know if you know that, but we're in the CTO group, so we're yes. setting like the strategies and standards for that. So, so we're, you know, we, we wind up using those terms to the point where we're sick of hearing them. Right. Before other people start picking them up and using them, like cloud. Right. We're so sick of right, cloud. Right, By the time people right, start hearing right, right, cloud, like, oh cloud. my god, yeah, yeah, it's not you. just I'm because totally it's in the right. network doesn't mean it's cloud. You know, and, yeah. and same with software defined networks. We're doing a soft. We're rolling okay. that out now too. All right. So, yeah. so we're. Yeah, Software-defined data center, software-defined, like okay, come yeah, on, whatever the buzzword is for that that yeah. week. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, so I was going on there because I like that, and also I like cyber-physical systems. So if you guys are you know investigated robotics, you know this is a, a central concept is separating, so separating the software from the hardware. That's the first thing. But then I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but in cyber-physical systems, this is a NSA, an NS, a National Science NSF, um, research, uh-huh. uh, science. And the biggest problem is correlating time, the dimension of time. Mm -hmm. So if you guys have programmed before, as I have, then you probably know when you put in like some loop or you do this or that, well, it depends on a lot of things, right? You you can't really get a specific time. So anyway, I digress. So I like the concept of cyber-physical systems. I like the concept of software-defined X and networks in particular because that's my background or my most recent background. So I started calling it software-defined product. I still think that's more accurate, but everyone else is... Is calling a big part of it the digital twin.
0: Yeah, and you've even. I, I mean, we're going to probably jump ahead just for a second. I mean, one of the things I thought was fascinating in one of your more recent podcasts was taking it a step further and I, with about the cognitive. Yes, aspect of it, I and know. So I'm, re- I'm, I'm big bef- in that too. Before you were actually, before we were, you were coming up, I was talking to the people about some of the projects we're working on, and one of the things we're taking a lot of a legacy data and we're feeding it through some machine learning things to be yes. able to figure out do predictive analytics, but to go help us. And this is very, very early on and very simple use case. Yeah. But once we figure that out, it's going to be game on. We're going to do some amazing things with that. So.
2: Yeah, and and I would say, and and I'm sure you guys are taking this approach, but. The first thing you need to figure out is going to be your data structures. And the first thing that and, and what that is in a physical for a physical object is going to be your well, what what I'm come to now use myself, but the digital twin. I refer to it in the book, but just sort of aside. But the digital twin is the original data and it's the models that you use. Now the types of models that you use, generally when we talk about this, they're analytics models. But most recently, you know, with my interview with Accenture, there it was like getting me thinking. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't just have to be an analytics model; it can be a cognitive model, mm-hmm. right? So it can be it can be something that's that's used um, in real time, generally speaking. So you start off. So th- this is a long way of answering your question, but the. The hardware-defined product—that's the hardware that's local on the end node. The software-defined product is the virtualization of the product, and the reason you virtualize it is so you can interface it like software into the internet. And as you guys know, I have a real, you know, bone to pick with people that call them smart products or connected <laughs> products because it's so much more than that. And once you can interface your physical object as a form of software into the into the inter, uh, the internet you can do so much more than that. So first and foremost, what you do is you define your software-defined product, which consists of your digital twin and your application code. Your digital twin is the model and the data. That modeling structure is super critical because it's it's what defines where all value comes from. So all incremental value from an IoT product comes from transforming data into useful things, into useful information. So an IoT product, what do we do? We capture data with sensors. We capture data with external systems. Right? It doesn't have to be local. Then we transform it. We're transforming it either, either you know, kind of as a post-process if we're looking into the past, or if we're trying to make some predictions about the future. We also do that as a post-process, looking into the future. But we also do it in the moment. Now this is where it's real interesting. So we have been using machine learning for a long time in defining these models. And what that means is, these are like super complicated models and, and so you need to decide, what's the best formula that I'm going to put on the data that I have from my sensors or from my
0: external systems? Well, so, so I mean, I think we've all heard, uh, you know, especially, this is where I think some people get confused, right? They they hear the digital twin and they think, right. they've heard the, the use case of airplanes producing tons of IoT data, yeah. right? Or, or the big yeah. tractors or trucks or trains. but. A lot of that's just alerting, right? It says, oh, I'm running a little hot or my RPMs are slowing down a little bit. And so that's an alerting process, which then you take action. Like, okay, let's pull it out of the field. This is an indicator that, but you're talking about something much more than just alerts, right? It's much bigger than that. Because yeah.
2: because I think when you, once you have it in a, in a digital form, once you understand what the data that you're capturing, then you can start using analytics or, or you can use AI to make decisions. Now there's, now we look at this in terms of time. So if we're looking back, so this is what we call data mining or descriptive analytics. So we're either coloring our data so it looks mm-hmm. really good, or we're doing some data, you know, so the brain yeah. can actually recognize these anomalies or whatever the case may be, or we're using some data mining techniques and we're trying to extract it. Because sometimes these are so multidimensional, you can't get your head around more than like four or five dimensions. It's just too much. Well, that's what
0: I'm saying. I mean, I, we all think, you know, you have hardware like the airplane or a truck, yeah. and, we, and we get it. We're pulling data off there and you're creating this sort of software-defined, virtualized Air twin. model. Air know? model, right. right, the model. For, in this
2: case, you're talking about predictive, you know, in this case, looking in the future, but for predictive analytics, let's say.
0: How far are we away from, but we started with something physical and took it software. How far are we doing it the other way, where we say, we know we want an airplane that, that carries 400 people at 800 miles an hour, mm-hmm. Right. take our data, yeah, run yeah. a model of it. I mean, how far like are we it. away from that? I
2: like it. Well, if you think about it, and this is one of the reasons why I didn't like Digital Twin, because my background is in um, computer animation. So for either... Oh, really? Yeah. So either for the... I was, when I was actually writing software, and when I was originally a mathematician, I was writing it, you know, how do, we, how do we draw a dinosaur on the screen? And so our product ended up being used by Industrial Light and Magic to do the first Jurassic Park Dinosaurs, and we're talking. Was this the
0: Beowulf cluster thing that they had during the press processing? No, this is, this is, I mean, was, this is.
2: like, I think this dates that. Okay, we're digressing then. <laughs> we're digressing. <laughs> but but the, the point is important because when you make a dinosaur, what do you do? You have to, you have to create a model for how it looks. Mm-hmm. And then you create another model for how it moves. And then you create another model for how it looks with the lights and the colors and so forth. This is very much where why I don't like the digital twin, but I'm gonna to get to your question in a moment. I don't like the digital twin because it generally, it refers a twin kind of generally in my mind, and I think most people's mind will say, oh, what is, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a mirror of something, you know, like a something looks. Mm-hmm. But of course, the digital twin could be a predictive analytics model, right? So what, you know, your question of where, how far are we off from doing this, we've been doing it for years. We've been creating the model of, let's say, a car, Right. We've been doing crash test simulations on the car before it's built, before it's built, before it's physical. Great. Now, where you're going a little bit further is something that I've seen. Uh, One of my one of my early clients was um, C-CONTROL, which were then acquired by Autodesk. And when I did see it and then when I worked with them a little bit when they were Autodesk, they have these I don't know if it's A.I., but they have these algorithms that basically do what you say. It says, Okay, we we need to we have these constraints. Now, don't have a designer come up with the look for this car. Let's say it's an engine, whatever it is. We'll let the computer do it. And they have the, they're like alien designs. I don't know if you've (laughs) seen these, but like it would be, let's say it's a a headset, but there wouldn't be like a service like this. It'd be like a lattice Mm and this. And because what they're doing is they're, depending on the constraints, they're minimizing weight, increasing strength, you know, whatever the case may be, Mm. and they come up with these and basically let the computer come up with the design. So I think we're almost there. Nice. And we are in some cases. You know, instead of actually, you know, putting in the constraints and then we model it, we make the physical. Now, even one step further, we a human isn't even involved in making the surface, you know, what it looks like. We can let the computers do that. So it's a cool well, concept. Well, yeah, but then they'll start making it to
0: how will they like it. Right? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is unintended consequences and you have to be careful. So you know, singularity event. Yeah. That is one of the biggest it's- worries about about singularity event. It's not that they're gonna be, you know, nefarious and they're going to hate us is going to be that you're giving them a constraint and they're going to follow that constraint. Like, make as many, this is an example, is make as many paper clips as possible in the, you know, in the shortest amount of time. Now if you take that logic to the, to the, to the end extent well, what's the paperclip made out of? Okay, it's made out of these you know, particular types of atoms. Eventually, it could even use people to make the paperclips, if you know what I mean, You know, if it uses all the resources. Now, this is an unintended consequence, and it's just a very obvious one, but this gets into your, into your point, and then it rolls a little bit into our AI here. So when you guys use an AI, be careful about the unintended consequences. But this is an example, and so they're going to make something they like based on your constraints. So yeah. you have to really constrain Completely constrain it, otherwise it can get pretty wacky.
0: Wow. Wow. There was a Soylent Green comment I was going to make in there, but I chose not to. Um, there are people too, right? Okay. Yeah, but you see, right? You just so keep okay. on using resources,
2: and eventually if you go through that logic, then then it's going to use all resources it sure. can to make that paper clip. So you have to say, no, no, don't use people. you know, yeah. Don't use hell, you know, whatever the case may be. Don't use babies. Don't use babies, don't especially use babies. babies.
1: Yeah. 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 And what's really neat, what you're saying too, is that, you know, this all kind of started with this, you know, smart, connected type mentality that's led to a lot of really dumb consumer products. Right. And that that largely (laughs) started with, you know, let's take the hardware-defined product and then add some software features to it. Let's add some right. sensors, let's add some right. actuators right. And, and make it blinky and, and flashy. And Michael, and that's, then, your, that's your small right there. Yeah, that's <laughs> what he's <laughs> talking about right now, yeah. smalt. But, but, nice yeah. but then now we're seeing more of a shift with this digital twin concept, not, not that it's you know brand new because we've had models for a long time, but it's more of the paradigm shift of let's focus more on the software-defined product yeah. and actually have the software-defined product define what the
0: future of the hardware is going to look like Absolutely. rather than the hardware Absolutely. defining what the software is going to be. I wonder what that's yeah. going to be for medical devices. That's going to be huge. especially as We're doing a lot of stuff with 3D printing as well for mm-hmm. medical devices. Sure. Wow. That's... We we're gonna have to have a whole other episode on that one, (laughs) especially 3D printing. I think that's um, some. Now, but bring it, dial it back a little bit about here and now. I mean, one of the things about your book that's really interesting is you know how how can your company can use Internet of Things. It's really how do you how do you monetize that, right? How do you get to monetizing that? And and it doesn't take much. I don't think we have to do AI to start monetizing. I don't think we have to have, no. you know, mm-hmm. we don't have to approach a singularity event of money. <laughs> 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 at at that point, we not have to worry about monetizing it, which you? you just have to worry about <laughs> surviving the, the apocalypse. But, um, so you had an interesting thing you were telling me about, he was around manufacturing yeah, and approach so, to that. Yeah, so one of the things you had
1: in your, your workshop that I found really helpful was this, this kind of methodical process you go through from the top down, defining, you know, what an IoT product value statement would look like. Right. How do you start with right. a challenge, a business challenge, that may not even have an IoT solution? But look at okay, what are the components of the challenge? How can we quantify them? You know, are there factors that we can control? And then you know, how do you form what an IoT product could look like and what its value proposition would be? And you gave a perfect example because the whole time you're we talking, I was thinking, man, I got to figure out how to have a healthcare example for this. Yeah. And then you came out and said right. one, and That's I was right. like, perfect. Yeah. So. Could you kind of, at a high level, go through that general methodology sure. of, of the top down, and then kind of roll into that hip replacement surgery? You yeah. Used.
2: Yeah. No. And and so this is this is the top down methodology that's so important. So you first start. So monetization, what, how you monetize something, you create value. Now it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to get money for that value. It could be other, you know, for certain listeners here, or, or it could be for other purposes. However, you start with. The value proposition. All right, so this this product does this. Then you actually so that's the qualification of the value proposition. I'll use the example in a moment. Okay. Then you take that and you quantify that, and here we are. We get to our digital twin, which is our models and our data. Then from there, you say, okay, if, if this is if this is the information I need, then what type of data do I do I need to collect? that flushes out the data structures, that flushes out now a bit of the sensors that we need. And eventually, all the rest of the technology folds into that because that's the most important thing. What What's the value we're creating? What's the information we need to create that information, to create that value? What's the data we need to get? To get that data, then what type of sensors and external systems do we need to get, the, to get that data and, uh, to get the sensor data and external systems what's the rest of the tech. And then eventually we get to the plumbing where, just, unfortunately, that's where a lot of my clients actually start yeah. is on the plumbing side.
0: Because it's cool. Because it's cool. <laughs> <and> <laughs> it rings and It flashes LEDs, LEDs so. on it. <laughs> I know. I've been there.
2: <laughs> so the example for, for okay, is it acetabular reamer? I think it's, I think there's going to be a lot of people know how to pronounce this, but I sometimes say acetabular reamer. So the acetabular reamer is a, is, a, is a tool that's used in hip replacement surgery. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest issues for in when performing hip replacement surgery is a biological process called necrosis. And necrosis is when you heat up the bone cells to the point where they die. Mm-hmm. So you guys know when you're drilling a piece of wood, right? The friction on the drill bit it, it, it heats up the wood and there's a little bit of smoke. And well, the same thing happens when you're drilling out the pelvis, right? When you're trying to make a semi-spherical cup. For the, for the, you know, So does melt the bone? It, it, it actually burn, yeah, it burns, I mean, it. It, it burns it. And so the problem is if you think about it, if you're trying, if you wanna put in the artificial joint, so you have a cup, so you have a cup and you have a ball, and that's a mm-hmm. ball joint, right? So you need to put that cup in. Now if this cup doesn't fit nicely into the hole that you drilled, Now remember, we're holding up a whole human with the rest of it. Then it's going to rock a little bit in there and it creates a lot of pain for the patient. And Then eventually they have to do something called redress surgery. So when you're looking at IoT, there's one way the of can't just
0: squirt like a little WD 40 or something there? Maybe <laughs> some Bondo. Yeah, well, I Bondo on the outside, right. But I mean, can they just, they don't have like medical grade. No, not inside there. They'll okay. be all swishing so, around and eventually just like. Fall I had right to ask. Up. You never know. I mean, I've seen some fall strange right out. things. <laughs> so you got to make sure you don't
2: burn the, you don't burn the cells. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when you look at IoT, Generally there's a couple ways you can use there's four ways you can use it to create value. The first way is, you know, it's the it's the stuff, the IT stuff. So operational efficiency, asset utilization, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But where the interesting stuff comes in is when you're doing innovation, so you're making something better or inventing something new. In this case, the idea in the workshop, the example, in fact I, I also use it in the book, is that we're gonna innovate on the Ask Tabula Reamer in a way that since we can pick up the data, so what creates what creates what creates temperature you know for this it's gonna be friction right Mm -hmm. so it's gonna be how fast does it rotate it's gonna be how hard does the surgeon push on the tool and it's Mm -hmm. gonna be for how long is it rotating Mm -hmm. so we can measure all that and I guess the surface
0: area of the bit too right yeah and the surface area of the bit and you know
2: how it goes so so you want to. so this is now we get into the model so we go okay we need to um, perform the surgery as quickly as possible without killing bone cells. So now we know bone cells, let's say, and I'm trying to remember, let's say it's 130 degrees um, Oh, we'll get Celsius. emails on that one. I, so. <laughs> I, know, I know. It's the wrong audience to be winging it. It's probably right in here, so you have it in here somewhere.
1: I think it's 131. Is it? Okay, well, I wasn't that was there far was off. Okay. 131. Pretty 55 close.
2: 55 degrees Celsius. So we know if we're measuring it, first of all, we can measure it directly, but then we create a model we say, well, let's adjust the rotational speed. We can't we can't stop the surgeon from pushing, right? Yeah. But what we can do is we and we we can slow down the rotation of the of the bit to the point where it could stop. So no matter how long or how hard the surgeon's pushing, this tool, which would which which would be using these models, because it's saying, well, if you do this and you're going to burn out these cells it'll keep on slowing down the bit. And so this is an example of innovation when this tool, no matter how it's used, it can't create necrosis. And therefore, it's, it's good for the doctor in a couple of ways. Well, it's great for the patient because they're not gonna have, they're not gonna have potential pain mm-hmm. because it's not gonna be rocking in the joint, you know, in the pelvis. It's good, the, it's good for the hospital because they're not gonna have to come back and get another surgery. That's also really good for the, for the patient. And was well, it good for the doctor? Yeah, because he because the doctor he or she is now performing the surgery in in a in a better way. And so, yeah.
0: well, it's it interesting. Is you're you're I was so I, I'm really big into motorcycles. And I think most most people. I have actually broken ribs right now because of that. But um, the uh, there's a thing called an auto. Basically, it's a called a recluse clutch on dirt bikes. Which same thing. No matter how you, mm. bad you mess up the clutch, it's going to do the right thing for right. you. Right. But what the things it does teach you to do. And I'm wondering, in this case is. Like you said, the bit has a clutch on it that's basically slowing it down based on pressure going in, right? And how long. And how long, right? So, and then how long part is the part I keyed into because the doctor's like, I got to get this done. They'll start to adjust their pressure, noticing the bit speeding up. And eventually, they will f- get the feel. It'll make that doctor a better doctor, right? right because right. they'll be yeah, able to... Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's like a feedback mechanism. Yeah, because they're like, right. oh, it slowed down. I'm going too fast. What do you do? I mean, if you're drilling wood and you don't have enough higher right. RPMs in a, or too big of a bit, it right. just, you know, and then you pull it back out. <laughs> or you let the clutch out too fast, and what happens? Your motorcycle dies, right? So, Or you don't give it enough gas, let's clutch out, and it starts to die climbing a hill. Right. You learn, like, okay, i got to give it more. i got to give it less, whatever. So... Interesting. It's going to make... I mean, that's one of the things we talk about. You know, a lot of doctors are worried about AI. And we're like, no, it's not going to replace you. It's just going to make... Uh, you tool. know, It's going to make you a better doctor, right? It's just, an, it's a yeah. more
2: sophisticated tool, and that's what we're talking about here. You know, we're talking about... So what do we start off? We started off, well, necrosis is a problem, so we want, to, we want to create a tool. The value proposition here is to do the surgery as quick as possible without burning out the cells. So then we said, what information do we need? Well, we need... To do this, we know necrosis is an issue, so we model that. We have our variables. Then it says, okay, what data do we need? Well, we need to we need to measure the rotational speed, the pressure, the time, and from there, once it's in a software form. Now, here's the, you know, this is the punchline. Once this Astable Reamer is now a piece of software, we can we can juggle it in mathematics. So we can say, let's minimize this, let's maximize this, let's let's, let's use it in a whole bunch of different ways. And so this is just one way of of manipulating the software. In in this case, and I'm sure there'd be other ways too, because maybe you want to operate it better. Maybe you maybe you want to do remote operation, for example. Right. Or, you know, there's a lot of things. But the point, guys, is once it's in a software form, once it's been virtualized, that's how you create tons of value.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why. So it's not mean, so that move to software is so important. I think that is really important because I think you know right now because we're so early in in this. I mean, you you might be tangent a little bit because you you you're a consultant to all these other CEOs and clients and companies that are trying to make money from this right now on sure. things. So for, for us though, or, and I think many other people in our situation, we're just getting our feet wet with this. We're just yeah. starting. So we're looking at things like automation is a big push. Right. Um, reducing uh, labor in certain areas. You know, Can we automate things? Sure. Can we grab sensors? Can we make sure. better decisions? We're still far away from creating that real digital twin and, and doing the software. I mean, that example you gave is excellent because there would have to be a lot of resources, money, people, time, to gather the right data to create that software model first, before we can do that. But, but people jump to like you said, well, can we just put a clutch on that and see what happens? You know, can we put some sensors on it and see how hot it gets, as opposed to, well, wait, what's the problem we're really trying to solve here? All right, so that's going to be that's good advice for me because I'm, I get I get faced with that every week, or people come in and say, ah. Oh, okay, this is what I want to do. They're, they're not telling me what the problem is. They're telling me what the widget is that they want. Right. You know, and, and that's,
2: if, you know, that's the tail wagging the dog. Yeah. Right. And it has to be a top-down approach. And these models don't have to be that sophisticated. You know, they, they really don't. They can be, they can be relatively simple. But even if you're doing something, you were talking a little bit of making, you know, the, the process more efficient. You know, that's again, using, using the terminology is operational efficiency. Well, same thing. You're gonna, you know, you can create very simple models, but you want to drive it from the top down. You know, depending if you're, you know, what is the situation you're trying to make more efficient, then you can probably model that. Whether it's, uh, you know, one of those diagrams of input output and block right. diagram, whatever the case is, you want to start there, and then and then you work down from there. I mean, just an example.
0: I know people can't see this, but on my board, I've got to draw. I, I talked about it earlier before you were here about this uh, specimen tote. right? Right. And as you were saying this, I, I was guilty of it. Right? I, I started with writing down. Oh, that's how I would do that. That's how I would do that. That's yeah. that's you know because we love this. The this, is, this, is this is the, the dirty like, talk. This, <laughs> this is the fun stuff, right? And so I've got all these like I'm actually solving the problem here, writing this, but I'm not, right? yeah. I'm not really solving the problem. I'm, I'm you're solving the tech. The endpoint, the tech part of it first. You're doing and the tech. So I got to back up, so. Yeah, but you guys, I know that
2: it is the fun part, but like tech is like, is like the talking dirty part. It's yeah. like, that's the fun, you know, but you don't, you know, if you can, so really you would say, okay, for this specimen toe, what is it what's the value that you're trying to create what are you trying to do with it right right and then from there you go okay that's a description so we come up with a description now the team kind of has okay this thing is supposed to do this and everyone's kind of like oh okay i got an idea for this i got an idea for this next thing is now you quantify that there it is with your digital twin what is the model what's the data then eventually what's the data do i need for it and then it'll, and then all this fun stuff, the battery and the, oh, the, well, you got metallic paint, okay. <laughs> <So the batteries, laughs> that keeps RFID, RFID antenna, you know, GPS are you radio. using JSON? Maybe, maybe not, are, you know, yeah. this'll all fall out of it. And I know it's not, but once you get into the hang of it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like something you just have to keep practicing and then all of a sudden, it's gonna move real quickly because then let's think a little bit bigger. How is this specimen tote now? How does it fit in within the environment? right? What else is it? What, what is it doing? What is it a part of it doing? Because generally, this specimen toad is going to be one component when you're trying to get, here's the word we haven't used yet, outcomes. So when you're trying to get an outcome, this specimen toad is, and I know nothing about this, but most likely, it's part of a set of tools that you need to use to get an outcome. So yeah. then if you think about it that way, again, it can be really high level, but then you think, okay, the specimen the specimen tote connects up to this. It's going to be used by this, and and then you start thinking bigger pitching. Now you don't have to use it or implement it, but at least it, it gives you a far more flexible design for you know later on. But if you're just doing prototyping and this and that, you know, of course I understand
1: people just want to I see know. something and I touch I something jump, I jump and love right it. to it. You, you know, guys are all right laughing at, right at, at me top. over there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. I guess,
0: that, and we, we're doing some things around design thinking now, too. So mm. we've got a person on staff that uh, does design thinking, and so we're we're pulling him in. What does that mean, design thinking? Oh, that's a whole other episode. All
2: right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: awesome. oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> No, no, I'll catch I'll, I'll, I'll you all up right. on that one. All right, all right. But, what but I, it's that process, basically. Okay. What I really like about that example, too, and that approach, is that it really highlights the people who are closest to the challenge at hand are the ones who really are the ones who should be defining what the IoT solutions should yes. look like. Because yes. they know... What the problem really is, they know the factors that contribute to that problem. They know that they, they're the ones who would write that function of basically this is what the digital twin needs to look like. They may not see it as I'm creating the digital twin; they just see it as look operationally these are the variables that are contributing to the problem that we got to control. Yeah. Yeah. And you know when people can look at the problem with that frame and know that that's how we identify IoT opportunities, that's a really good place for you know us to jump in because then we see oh you've identified a problem you've identified all these variables that affect it yeah. from the business perspective now we can think about okay what what type of sensors and technologies do we need to capture the variables that, that can created. actually that we can control hmm. and which ones do we just need to know about that are outside of our control
2: right right yeah and, and you know you bring up a good point is you need that domain what was it subject matter expert, right? You need S- the SME. The SME. The SME, the SME. 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 You yes. need now but they may not have this type of thinking. So what I have found, you know, for example, I just on Monday and Tuesday I was with a, a new client in Sacramento and it was a whole something for a smart city now i don't know enough about this particular you know and you guys may not know enough about that particular so you need to have a process that you can work with these sme, S-M-E mm-hmm. to to kind of guide them through this concept and i think it really is going to be it's, it's really a partnership with the subject matter expert the iot expert slash digital twin expert right to To kind of uh, frame the problem in a way that we can that you can maximize the value in using iot you know and I think that's the that's the punchline
0: right? yeah and and I, for that last sentence you just made that, that's where you know when I start talking to this subject matter experts for any of these coming in there's a point in the conversation where I stop them and say, but we can do that mm. they'll say, well we can't do this I'm like well <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we can. Why not? Yeah, It's like mm-hmm. the art of the possible. We try to showcase that a lot. Like, this mm-hmm. is to get people mm-hmm. start thinking about... Because they're still working within the boundaries they know as being true. They don't know that it's actually fairly easy to grab that information. Or it's fairly right. easy to get that data. Right. And, and, and so they assume that they're going to try to solve this problem without those pieces. And, it, I mean, all, it, every, all the time, man, almost every one of the working prototypes we build, mm-hmm. the client that we did it for, it's, I didn't know that was possible. Oh, I didn't know we could do that. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. we can turn that glass to be capacitive. You don't have to get a whole new display, right? right. We can. Right. They, they, they don't know. So I think part of our responsibility too is to stay on, stay on top of the technology. We saw you at IoT World, and one of the most fascinating things was all the just the sensor booths. It wasn't. It was just saying, oh, we can do that. We can grab that. Can you capture oh, that. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, all right. <laughs> so you know,
2: that's not the problem, right? You know, the, yeah. the problem isn't capturing the data. I mean, there are there are literally a million. SKUs you know mm-hmm. that are out there different variations of mm-hmm. sensors but really the, the the real the heavy lifting is coming into what information do I need to create value so for this you know for this specimen tote what's the information that they need out of that thing and what can you do to create it and make it even and even maybe give them other information that would make it even more valuable then, like you that's say, That's what got to think about. That's, yeah. Well, it's, it's an approach, right? Yeah. And then it's a top-down approach, a value-based approach. And then it'll tell you, all right, then they'll tell you, these are the sensors we need. So then you go out there and you shop for these sensors, as opposed to kind of working the tail wagging the dog, where you find, oh, this is a cool sensor, and we'll be able to do this, and let's put hook it up with this type of a network, uh, you know. Uh, protocol and and this and that right i'm telling you i go into i go in and this is just because just like you it's fun doing that stuff getting a lab together having it all work and having lights flash and you know sounds buzzing and and so forth that's the fun part but it just takes a little bit of discipline and it's a little bit more upfront work however if you do take that approach then i can i can guarantee you guys it, it just pays off in dividend you know Pays
0: off dividends. Yeah, we and we're just started. We started in January, and part of what we do is we're grabbing, um, building a collaboration venue of all the practitioners of IoT within Kaiser, nice. and pulling them together. And that's what part of this this program is about, uh, the, the mosh pit as well. Speaking of which, are we getting any questions coming in? Yep, we had one just come in. In fact, so, um, so you, see if you can get a couple more, more more questions. Just give me one minute. Oh yeah, go ahead. See so, if so you can gather some in there. Yeah. So, Bruce, how does it feel to be on the other side of the podcast this time? <laughs> you knew I was going to ask that. Yeah, no, it's... Are you laughing because you know how hard it is to be on this side? You know what? I, I, I
2: approach it I approach it as just have. It's like I said earlier, when I talk to someone, it's like I'm just trying to learn from them. Mm-hmm. And so I approach it as a conversation with someone I'd be interested in having a drink with or having dinner with. And so I, I you know, I just let them do all the hard work. Kind of like, you know, I'm answering the questions, you're asking the questions... So being on that side I enjoy it being on your side I enjoy it because I get to control you know what are the questions and what am I asking I'm asking things that I want to know and I know that is useful to other people right Yeah being on this side, it's good too. Yeah, it's it's kind of different. It's uh, you don't yeah you are just sort of go wherever where you go.
0: You research your 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 guests pretty thoroughly, or the topics before you go, and and because I can tell sometimes you read off bullet points of some of those things, right? Like like I know you want to. I can tell you you want to get to this question, you want to get to that question. Right, right, right. I, I get that, um, and we're finding that too. We're having to do the do the same thing. This is interesting here is that we're live, so we get to ask yeah, people real yeah. time. So Kevin, you got a couple questions in from people? Yeah, first
1: one we have is. Could you give an example of an IoT digital twin uh, with the VR slant within healthcare, if you can?
2: Yeah, okay. So the VR, and I would even throw in a bit of AR in there, you know? Mm, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Gotta throw in the AR in there. And, and, um, no, I, I think, you know, I think an example, let's go back and use the digital twin. So the digital twin, remember, it consists of two parts. It consists of the data. Data, depending on where you're listening from, and it consists of the models. So where AR or VR would come in would, would come in uh, very nicely. Let's say we have a remote operation. So let's say that we're in in some part of the country where you don't have a particular type of specialist, and so they are controlling because this is a remote operation. We have a virtual form, so we can actually control it remotely. Um, they are not actually where the patient is, or let's say they're a subject matter expert in, I don't know what it would be, uh, in, in um, anesthesiology. You know, I don't I think you should be there, but maybe they're not. So where, where VR could come in would be that the digital twin has the data, so now it's a visualization of that data. And so the two ways of visualizing that data is put yourself completely in an immersive environment, like a VR environment would be, or use AR, which may be more applicable depending on the use case, where you're just projecting data into where you are mm-hmm. so you know if you're the actual surgeon perhaps you want to have when you're when you're doing the drilling you throw on your you throw on your glasses or your mask and it projects okay temperature is this the time is this you know the, the particular vitals are this
0: maybe even pressure behind arteries pressure behind arteries and i've seen that for buildings right. um there's a company in the bay area here that does that builds industrial ar goggles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they, you can go down to a boiler room of a building, i will tell you what, look at the pipes, and it'll tell you right. what pressure, what the temperature is, right on the pipe. We went down and visited them. No, this. no, that's good And we're like, yeah. why aren't you in healthcare, yeah. you know? No, because it gives you x-ray uh, right. X ray vision. So yeah. if you
2: now have a CAT scanner, if you have an MRI of that particular part, in this case we're using, we're saying the hip, then you could see the soft tissue, not just the hard tissue. Right. So that's a great example. VR, you know, the answer, to answer the, the, the question, again, the relationship is... The digital twin has the data. VR needs to needs to visualize it in some way. Generally, that means you visualize it in a 3D environment, but it could be it could be in different ways. But uh, I like that. You know that this concept of using VR potentially or AR to have those X-ray vision. So while you're working on this part of the patient, you can see behind the bone. You can see you know, the vitals and, and so forth.
0: We we have some, if you look around here, we've got some, you know, VR stuff in here, but uh, okay. Oculus Rift and some other things, but we have a group that is really heavy into it, and they're doing some amazing things with it right now. Like, I, every week, I look forward to uh, see what this guy posts. Is that from our friend Roger? What's that? Was that a question from Roger?
1: Uh, no, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, so here's an interesting one. So we didn't really get a chance to talk about the cognitive digital twin. Right. But... I think we brushed on it and then someone thought through it. And they asked, you know, what's the difference between that and edge analytics?
2: Okay. Mm. So edge analytics edge analytics analytics in, in in general can be broken up into three parts. The past, the present, and the future. So edge analytics could be looking at the past. But generally, edge analytics is looking at the present. It could be looking at the future too, making you know some some guesses of what's going to happen. So generally, with edge an, edge analytics, it's going to be analyzing what's happening. Now you're using the example of oh, a jet engine and this is getting hot. Yeah. So this could be something that you'd use edge analytics on. Now that would be using a, that would be using a analytic model. Now going into a cognitive model, so more of an AI model, and this is really important this is where ai becomes useful so ai is not as useful remember we're saying a little bit to help you pick the pick the equations so when you're data mining and so forth or uh, to get that right but generally ai is most useful in the present because it can make complex decisions based on not just Think of like the difference of an an analytic model is really quickly going through all these rules. Does this, 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 it's almost like you're bringing your whole library with you, you know, and then But really in AI, and I can't say that I'm an expert in AI, not even close, but in AI you learn and then you can actually make these cognitive decisions really quickly. So the difference is that, and there is maybe no difference, you could use an, an, an analytics model in edge computing, or you could use a cognitive model in edge computing. In both cases, what are we doing? We're taking data, we're then building a model around it, and then we're executing that model. An AI model is different than an analytics model and it's executed in a different way. So they can be the same they can be different. It just depends.
1: It, it kind of sounds like the difference between like an operating manual for like if this happens, quick yeah, do dev- right, this. versus like go versus, the pages super quickly. Versus, like a veteran's intuition. Yes, knowledge versus
2: mm. data, and I think that's a good way. Of, that's a good way of framing it. You know, kind of, and that's where AI. That's where it gets it gets interesting because that same episode kind of like yeah, it kind yeah, of I opened I, up some, yeah. some <laughs> for me too, and I was like, wait a second, you know, there are certain situations. And the nice thing about AI it's starting not to say it's going to be commoditized but it's starting to be packaged in library forms and you can don't have to be like an ai researcher you're to like tensor
0: and and yeah. Like yeah and so
2: now as long again this is the same thing if you're working from the top down and you're saying okay what is the information i need well Maybe now you do it with an AI, you know, with an AI agent or an, a, you know, something like an existing framework like TensorFlow or whatever the case. And so it's interesting. It's really interesting. We,
0: to we be. had Bob Rogers on. Uh, he uh, earlier he was he is the uh, chief science officer for artificial intelligence Intel. Oh, okay. So we had him. talk. Oh, him. right. Okay. He's yeah. he was a pretty interesting guy. Well, um, we got five minutes left. Yep. <laughs> and we're coming up to my favorite part. So normally what we did, and since we knew, we're we'll changing this around for you a little bit. All so right. what we do is we do, the, at the end, we do the uh, IoT devices nobody asked for. <laughs> okay. And we go through the IoT devices, and we usually pick two or three. But since you're here, <laughs> okay. I'm not going to do that part. All right. All I right. Assume, I'm guessing you've seen some good ones.
2: Well, you know, so, uh, yeah, so what's the
0: question? What are the IoT devices nobody asked for? <laughs> What's your favorite <laughs> What's, smart device? Yeah, how many do you, have any, do you realize how many Bluetooth toasters there are out oh there? Oh gosh. And now you know, and now oh and gosh. Michael's getting he's he's still waiting for his smalt to show up. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have that. What is a smalt exactly? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> it's a it's, it's a, a salt <laughs> dispenser. That uh Oh,
1: okay.
2: That's that uh, gives you just the right amount of salt. No, apparently exactly. no, it doesn't.
1: Oh. That's what we yeah. thought it did. Oh. That would be too It cool. also has a mood light, too. It has so a mood. It's like, yeah, that's, a
0: mood. it does. It has a mood light it's a conversation and, it's a, and, it's a, and it's a Bluetooth piece. thing. So, you know, yeah. if you're on, if you're on that first date and you think it's going well and you're like, hey, baby. I mean, it's just like, you, know, you get to set the mood, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. what it's for. I don't know. Hey, but hey he's going to tell us. I got
2: my own salt shaker. Or but, but, shaker but Michael's going to tell us,
0: is he's going to do a personal review of the small oh. for us oh, next yeah, time. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Right. so what, I mean, if you sitting just totally, like, here's one, here's one. The jeans essential by Spinali. Have you heard about these? No. Oh, okay, so these are these oh, are maybe. these are fashion high fat Italy, right? Are they from Italy? Yeah. So you know Italian jeans are already really expensive. Are they? If we're well, going to make them smart, that's just going to blow it out. Do a lot. they make skinny jeans? I'm sure they're, they're skinny. all skinny, they're skinny jeans, jeans in Italy. Come on. <laughs> so right, so they, they vibrate, right, Kevin?
1: Yeah. So what they do is they they send you notifications by vibrating your pockets, and okay. the value add was supposed to be that. It can s- differentiate between the left and right side. So if you're walking down the street and you have Google Maps going in your pocket, it'll vibrate your left leg versus your right leg of which right. way to turn. Right. A couple problems with this. That's fun. One, you know, when you put your phone in your pocket, that essentially is vibrating your jeans. City so
0: jeans, it's kind of doing that, right? kind of
1: already doing that. The other problem is you just can't really get past vibrating pants. That's it's not good.
0: It's not yeah, that's a little questionable. And you know
2: what? It's I, not good or it's really good. I was gonna I, say you might get I lost don't on the Wait, Where's the, yeah. <laughs> Where's the battery? Pack go <laughs> is that like
0: in your belt buckle your belt battery?
2: So anyway, so is the kind but, of thing. But guys, you know, I think you know. Just let me just say a general a general point on that. And if you want to know what's the name, what was the title, like like products that people didn't want, or what was it? the actually devices nobody asked okay. for? Okay, go to your favorite crowdsourcing platform. Oh yes, Indiegogo or <laughs> Indiegogo? Kickstarter. Because, yeah again, it goes back to the conversation of value. So I would say go to Indiegogo, do a search on
0: smart, and you're gonna find a whole bunch. Of them. All right, so we are. I have to. We're at the Jason, minute. John, Doctor, Doctor John Madison, who is our chief medical officer down there said that he got blocked out of the chat so do you want to add him can he can you add, oh can, can you enable him yeah i will
1: um i oh he just sent me a message to uh please unmute him so i'm going to
0: do that right now Are you- okay yeah um i've got
2: another call i got to get on now because it's 12 but um maybe next time i dial in okay um I can give you a little elaboration on the relationship of edge computing to cloud, to IoT, to AI, because that's a space I'm pretty deep into. So there's not, I don't have time to do it now, um, but I, it has lots of implications for All how, right. we, you just signed, how we architect, how we architect our infrastructure. So next time.
0: Next time, you just signed yourself up for another episode. So thank you, Dr. Madison. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <Please> <laughs> <care>. <laughs> All right. Have a thank thank you. He's Bye. he's a, he's an amazing guy. He he's uh he was our first kicked off our first episode oh. we had him on. He's uh Is he's, he from kaiser or yeah yeah he's yeah. our chief oh, okay. medical officer oh, in he's, southern california oh, he's yeah. the guy he's the guy, the guy. yeah all right okay. and so so tell me so a couple of things we have we also do a giveaway i know we're running two minutes late now so we're going to give away your book all right but more importantly you got a workshop coming up on in september well i was just thinking you guys were mentioning my workshop but
2: but if anyone's in the bay area mm-hmm. um on september 7th i'm putting on that exact same workshop oh perfect oh and, wow okay um you can find out uh, more information if you go to one word, dot net If you go there, you'll see yep. it somewhere. We'll put it, slash we'll put it in oh, the show okay. Notes. Then I'll, I'll send it to you in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, and we got. Hey, yeah, if Bruce anyone's Sinclair interested. Yeah, disorder. if anyone's interested in okay. going a little bit further and uh, take the workshop, it's going to be. Yeah, it's only in a week and a half or something. Fantastic.
0: Like well, well, we will definitely do that, and I'll, we'll get people to show up. So, last thing. Um, do you like Macklemore? Okay, so we picked Mathemore. We didn't get talk to you, so we do music at the beginning and the end. (laughs) So you don't have the headsets on, but there's actually the Mathemores playing. Who won his book today? Looks like the first person is Edmund Lay. Edmund? Oh, that's a good one. All right, Edmund. That's a good one. Yeah, you got, well, he's on, right? So you got to. Edmund, can you send me a message in the chat? Let me know you're there. Let me know. You know how this works. If you don't do it, it goes to somebody else. Oh, wow, they have to stay on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Even if we're running late, Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'll give I'll give you know what we're running late, so I'll give it to him. Yep, right, you did respond? Alright, thank you guys, Bruce. Thank you so much for coming My by. Bye. a great on shock. to go